91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And welcome into the scoreboard, ladies and gentlemen. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Mr. Jacob Hillman here and the Auburn University Student Center on this rather chilly day for uh, September 24th, Woo! or 23rd, excuse me, but nonetheless. Feels good outside. Yeah, we feel great. It's good golf weather. Ooh. I have some plans to Ooh. possibly go golfing someday. Yeah, that, mm, yeah. I mean, this is the perfect golfing weather. It's a good day to shoot a few bogeys. No bogeys to spare. <laughs> I mean, you're you're aiming for bogey. I I, <laughs> I used to be in that boat, but I'm well past that, man. Okay. Our golf you, game is very different. You'll, you'll get there eventually one day, but... Yes, I'll go ahead and answer the question of how I am. I'm great because the weather is perfect outside. We've got football this weekend. we got football tonight, my Carolina Panthers. So it's an exciting day and glad, been a good week. I was going to say, glad to see that you're back uh, safe and sound on the plains with your trip uh, out to Happy Valley. And we're going to get into that in the first segment today. Got a super full show today. Um, so we're not going to waste any time. We're going to go ahead and get right into it live on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. So as I mentioned, Auburn traveling to Penn State this past Saturday for game day. Coming up just short on the road, 28-20 to in that battle. Uh, Bo Nix for the Auburn Tigers was 21-37 of for nearly 200 yards, threw for 185, no passing touchdowns. Didn't throw any interceptions. He probably should have a few times. There was that one pass that he kind of telegraphed to John Samuel Shanker that would have been housed as well, but... He was fortunate enough for that defender to drop it. Yeah, he, he had a couple throws that could have or should have been picked off. Um, but regardless, Auburn does come up short. And I said this this morning on Compact Discourse. If you haven't heard that and you want to hear Jack Hart's show, go back and listen um, on any podcasting platform that you can that Bo Nix played his best road game of his, of his career um, when watching the game tape, but by no means uh, has he hit his ceiling. Yeah, statistically... It's similar to what he's done on the road, minus the, inter- the lack of interceptions, which is good. But I think he looked comfortable throughout the game, and he made some really good throws that you don't, you didn't really see from Bo Nix prior to last weekend. Whenever he played against South Carolina, you saw the interceptions against Florida his freshman year. You saw what happened there, and now he just looked a lot different. He looked comfortable, even when sometimes the pocket would collapse on him. There was a one play that. I had flashbacks to Florida and South Carolina where he's running around, but that was really it. And I really think that part of that was the running game being dominant at times. There were times where the running game was not so much, but it looked good enough where I feel like Bo Nix was comfortable. Yeah, we saw there was plenty of situations in that game where um, in previous years, Bo probably would have thrown an interception or uh, just thrown the ball away or tried to have done too much. Um, but, but what Bo did this past weekend was he showed more maturity than what he showed in his first two years on the road, and that being hitting checkdowns, watching his progression, staying in the pocket just a little bit longer, and he would take out of the pocket when he needed to and use those athletic legs of his. Um, but again, definitely some improvement can be made. You did see a lot of leadership qualities out of him, though. You could really tell he was trying to lead that offense. Um, and speaking of other guys that led that offense, especially in the rushing game, Tank Bigsby had 23 carries for 102 yards, two touchdowns. Auburn's two touchdowns of the game came from him on the ground. And Jarquez Hunter, the true freshman who's been a standout, ran for 63 yards, um, averaged seven yards a carry, and had one crazy hurdle. Nine, Lord. That was awesome. I mean, I honestly thought Auburn won the game as soon as he did that. Yeah. And, of course, what transpired after changed that. But, I, I mean, the thing is, that's the third-string Auburn running back, a true freshman, 
a three-star out of Mississippi. He is not some five-star running back that was heralded out of high school. He's just a guy that Auburn saw, Auburn liked, and he's making an impact so far, and he's done a good job. And, I mean, just having those moments really gets the fans to back you, and, I mean, everyone's going to be wanting him throughout the season. And yeah. You're going to see him a lot on Saturday as well. Somebody made a comparison between him and Tank saying that um, they saw a lot of Cadillac and Ronnie in them too, even though they're both really young right now, which you could argue. That's an interesting um, comparison. It is, and I, I don't think, looking a little bit ahead to this weekend, I don't think you'll see a lot um, out of him or Tank just because of the workload they had last week. And Shivers will be back this week, so he'll definitely be getting a lot of the carries on the ground, getting his feet warm again or getting his legs warm again, and uh, saving up some energy for LSU next weekend. But um, back to Penn State, man. It really seemed like there was a time, and we saw this on social media, that that Tank did not get the ball for a pretty concerning amount of time. And then at halftime, Auburn made an adjustment to start going back to Tank, who you could tell had the workload, was exhausted at the end of those drives. But even when he was exhausted, he was being a difference maker, being a playmaker out on the field. Yeah, and as a team, Auburn was 50-50. 39 attempts uh, passing and then 40 carries. So I do think that Auburn was trying to go 50-50. But the way the running game was working at times, like I said, I know that, I mean, Tank only averaged 4.4 yards per carry. That's nothing special. That's that's good enough. But then you had that one drive, the scoring drive in the second half, that that offensive line looked so good. Yeah. You want to try to find that throughout the game. You want to get Tank up to 30 carries in a game like that because you have Georgia State this weekend. So you don't need to save him for the next week. Like, if if LSU was this week, I get it. You want to make sure that he's not getting injured or he's not going to be hobbled going into conference play. But, yeah, Georgia State this week, you might as well run him hard and try to win that game. And not to say they weren't trying to win the game, but I would have liked to see Tank Bigsby run the ball a few more times. I would have liked to see him run it at least one more time uh, on one yeah. play call, which I guess we'll get to here in a minute. But um, regardless, Tank had a great game. Would have liked to see him a little bit more. Offensive line, like Jacob uh, briefly mentioned a second ago, um, in my humble opinion, played better than I think they the offensive line would have played on the road last year. For sure. And I think they handled that crowd environment well. They did have a false start in the first half. I do remember there were a few offensive line penalties. But, I mean, they played well and handled a strong defensive front. They could have played better. The whole team could have played better, but um, it, it wasn't worst-case scenario. The biggest concern on offense was the wide receiver group. I can agree with that. And and reason being, there were a few drop balls. Um, I mean, you had Kobe Hudson had four receptions for 66 yards. Shanker had the leading receptions along with Demetrius Robinson, but he had 62 yards receiving, and Robinson had five catches uh, for 23 yards. And after that, nothing uh, worth noting in that's got to be a concern if you're Mike Bobo and the offense going forward. It makes you really one-dimensional. Well, and it does. It, it makes me wonder. I not. I mean, I'm not the one. I'm not analyzing tape or anything. But I wonder what it was because I remember against Akron, Alabama State, two lesser opponents, where Auburn was spreading the ball pretty well. They were able to kind of do what they wanted to, and not that that should have happened against Penn State because Penn State's a much better team, but you would think that it would at least carry over a little bit where you're not locked in on three guys. And like you said, Robertson only had 23 yards. so And he also had a drop or two that would have been huge plays. And I think one of the drops was just a great play by the defender. So you can't really take away credit for that. But it was just, it was weird, I thought. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily Knicks locking in on targets. It was more of just, hey, these guys were open. This is what happened. 
it is what it is. I think somebody pointed out on Twitter there might have been a, a couple of plays, maybe a handful, if you will, where where Bo did miss maybe an over-the-top or maybe some sort of out route. Yes. Um, and that could potentially just be him him reading his progressions um, in whatever order he chooses. Well, I guess it was on that last drive that Auburn was able to put together. Uh, not the desperation drive, but the last drive leading up to the fourth and goal where Robertson beat his man. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to tell if that ball was overthrown or not because Robertson made no – it's like he didn't see it. Yeah. He made no effort at it, so – I didn't know if it was overthrown or not just because of the angle. I think I think um, he was anticipating it in some sort of inside thrown ball, and I think mm-hmm. Bo is uh, throwing an out shoulder ball, outside shoulder ball, um, and Herbstreit had said something about that on TV too. But, yeah, regardless, Robertson was open for that throw. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it was just – it was one of those plays that you look at and you wish you had that back because that is a sure-fire touchdown. Yeah. He was wide open. Yeah. And I don't think either the throw or – what Robertson did was bad. It was just the fact that they were on the wrong page. They yeah. weren't They weren't on the same page together, and they. it is what it is, I guess. That's something that happens whenever you have inexperienced receivers or Robertson, who's only been here for a month and a half. Wide receiver group definitely needs some improvement. We're seeing some of those growing pains within that department of the field. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, Jacob. Um, before we get into the questionable targeting calls, just a few guys to mention. Chandler Wooten leading the team in tackles with 10. Smoke Monday on his tail with 8. Uh, and one pick from Roger McCurry, but that was towards the end of the half, um, really when Sean Clifford was kind of just trying to throw the ball downfield, and he also got crushed by Zacoby McClain Man. coming into the backfield. <laughs> but, I mean, the defense, I mean, we have got to talk about the fact that Auburn is last in Division One and opponent completion percentage. Yeah, and that's the issue. I mean, Sean Clifford went 28 for 32, and they had Jayon Dotson throw a wide receiver pass. He went one for one. I mean, that, that, is the, that is the biggest issue right now. And you know how many quarterback hurries Auburn had? Yeah, probably zero. The one that I just mentioned was Jacoby oh. McClain coming yeah. into the backfield. And it, it forced an interception. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how it goes. The defensive line and the secondary, more so the secondary, because were, we were expecting them to be a stronger group coming into the season than we did the defensive line. That is a very concerning tell but they're also needing a lot of help from that front four or front five that need to be blitzing and getting some pressure on the quarterback. And I think Colby Wooden said something yesterday in the press conference about it, about he thinks he can do more, especially as a defensive lineman. Um, Auburn's defensive line as a whole did not get any kind of push on Sean Clifford. And I think they have a chance to because individually it feels like these guys are playing okay. Like Marquise Burks, he looks good. He didn't put up a ton of stats. He only had two tackles, but... It seems like so far he's done pretty good. Marcus Harris, he put up four tackles. You had T.D. Moultrie. He played amazing in the first two games. He did okay in this game. Derek Hall, five tackles, one for a loss. And you hope that those guys will eventually gel together and really be able to make pressure on the quarterback. And that's something that Harson talked about and harped on in postgame on Saturday is that You've got to make the quarterback uncomfortable. So I just realized that Kobe only had two tackles yeah, on did. Saturday. I mean, he was coming into the game like leading the country in that category. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. My thing, the run game was fine. Run it defense was. was fine in the front seven. Defensive they, line really held their own. They ran for 84 yards. Yeah, So, and point being, the defensive line's fine in the run game. It's just the passing game. And the secondary, I mean, they're, it's, it's not like Penn State had a bunch of All-Americans out there 
lining up on the sides against our uh, defensive backs. I mean, Jahan Dotson had a great game. He had 10 receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. But my big thing also was a lot of tight ends and their offense getting lost in the secondary of Auburn's defense. Well, something else I noticed was anytime Penn State went hurry up, it felt like Auburn was never able to get the signals in. Yeah. And it looked like, especially on the ones that the tight ends were wide open, it was just because of miscommunication, not getting the signals in. And it's interesting. Like, do do we think maybe Derek Mason should be on the sideline? He's up in the press box now. I don't know if it would have made a difference, but... I wonder if that's a preference of his, if he'd rather see like the it. whole field or if he'd rather be down there. Well, I know that Harson did give them the option. Yes, he did. So And they, and him and Bobo picked up in the box, which is interesting. Yeah, and I mean, personal preference, I'd rather have the coaches on the field, but I understand if they think it's going to be best for the team. I trust them more because they're, they're getting paid. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I feel like having the defense coordinator on the field in that atmosphere with how loud it was and the fact that the players were not getting these signals in. I mean, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. No, I understand. And and speaking of the defense, we'll go ahead before we go to the break and start talking. I guess we could talk real quick uh, about the Jacoby McLean hit and what our what our feelings were on it. You were there live in person. Did they show it over nope. and over again on the jumbo track? I had no, I had no idea. I okay. literally didn't even see when I saw him get hit because you were I, in the opposite end zone. Correct. And I saw the. I saw the Penn State player throw one of the Auburn players' legs. Yes, it was uh, Zacoby's leg or Rogers, one of the two, on top of him. Yeah, and he didn't get flagged. I, the flag got thrown. and I was like, I mean, are they going to call? Because I was like, are they going to call a sportsman like conduct on that? Which, you, I mean, you can get away with that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, I mean, you sh- that shouldn't be a flag. Like that's it's dumb, but you shouldn't get a flag for it. And then someone was like, I think they're going to call targeting on this, and they called it, and they never showed it on the video board. That's dumb. I mean, it's because it was the wrong call. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. And I just don't, you know, everyone on Twitter, no matter which way it is, everyone's going to say targeting is dumb. And I get the rule why it's implemented because it is a safety measurement. Right. And there are calls that, man. Which that we guy, can all get behind. It's yeah. player safety. Yeah. And, th- and there are plays whenever it's obvious that's targeting. That should not be allowed in the game. But that play in partic- particular, my Lord, that was just yeah. him going to stop the runner and he used his shoulder and he hit the offensive player's shoulder yeah I think the disciplinary action for that play I mean targeting in general but that play specifically was a little too harsh that's not that. what that's not what the rule was made for exactly I mean and if, if Sokobi's leading with his shoulder and that he's hitting that dude's shoulder like and he said it best on Twitter you always want me to let him score right Auburn loses at Penn State 28 to 20 and drops to two and one on the season when we come back Jacob Hillman and myself Bay Marks on the scoreboard are going to preview This week in college football, including Auburn versus Georgia State homecoming on the Plains. Don't go anywhere. This is the scoreboard, Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Back live on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. We just recapped. Auburn, Penn State, and talked about what we need to see going forward from the Tigers, you know, so that way they have, uh, that they can improve and keep up this season. But we're going to get into college football predictions for week four. You know, it's an interesting week. There's some ranked matchups, but it's also, it seems a little bit light, but we will go ahead and dive right into it as Thursday, Friday, Nothing really going on. For number 22, Fresno State plays 0-3 UNLV, but we'll skip right over that one and go to 11 a.m. Big noon kickoff. Number 12, Notre Dame 
against Wisconsin on neutral site Soldier Field? Uh, the Shamrock Bowl. Yes. Or, uh, what's the proper title for it? Is that what it's called? It's the Shamrock, Seri- the Shamrock Series. Oh. Uh, because they have the new uniforms for it. If you want to hear our takes about the uniforms, go listen to the Compact Discourse from this morning. I didn't see that. I will do that. Yes, me, Jack Hart. Davis Carroll and Daniel Locke sitting right here behind me. Uh, he's got his first show today right after us, if you're interested. We broke down these uniforms. They look awesome. Both sides. Wisconsin hit the nail on the head, and so did Notre Dame. I'll, I'll look them up while you make your prediction. Yeah, so my prediction at Wisconsin, number 12 Notre Dame, or no, sorry, it's actually at Soldier Field. Um, it's going to be on Fox. I think Wisconsin wins this game. Um, they have one loss on the season to Penn State, who is red hot right now. Um, they only lost by six, and I think Notre Dame... Um, has been flirting with fire, especially um, with their first few opponents. They snuck out of Florida State, who is terrible. They barely beat Toledo at home, and then they beat Purdue by two touchdowns, which it's Purdue. Um, I'm going to go with Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin Badgers. Mertz, he hasn't thrown for a touchdown this year, but I still think he's a solid quarterback. I really like Malusi, their running back this year as well. So give me the Badgers at Soldier Field, and I think Notre Dame will take their first loss of the year. Can confirm the uniform matchup is beautiful. and I love those red pinstripes. I wish it was under the lights. I feel like these uniforms will look great under the lights, but yeah. no, you're going to get the... Hopefully it's not cloudy soldier That's field. what I was going to say. Hopefully there's sun at least shining, but yeah. you're in Chicago, so you never know. But when we get into the football game itself, I like Wisconsin. I like them as well. Notre Dame has been underwhelming this year just because, you know, the Florida State game, you thought, okay, maybe Florida State's good. And then the very next week, Notre Dame almost loses to Toledo, and then Florida State loses to Jacksonville State. Yeah, I like Wisconsin in this game. Do we agree that they cover at six and a half? I think it's going to be close. I, I mean, I think Wisconsin wins by seven. So yeah. yeah, I'll say they do cover. Yeah, I think it's in a range of seven to ten for them. I'm I'm pretty confident in that pick. SEC play LSU to Davis Wade Stadium Ugh. to face the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. LSU favored by two and a half. I mean, both of these teams are kind of desperate for a. I mean, I wouldn't say they're desperate, but kind of are. I mean, isn't it funny, though, how we're looking at Mississippi State, who's 2-1, and one, and Will Rogers has already thrown for over 1,000 yards this year? That's that air raid with Mike Leach, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. This is a very interesting game. I think LSU is going to get it done um, at Mississippi State. I think Max Johnson's a great quarterback. Uh, he's thrown for 11 touchdowns and two picks this year. Um, and I think their offense is going to be a little more dynamic than that air raid. I think they can get it done on the ground as well. I think they win... I'm going to go out on a limb. I say they win by two scores. Okay. I really think they get it done at 11 a.m. on the road. Yeah, I I don't like what LSU's done this year. So I'm picking Mississippi State, and they get it done early on. So Mississippi State is my winner. Last 11 a.m. game will cover Texas Tech and Texas in Austin. Tech is 3-0. They haven't played much, but, you know, Texas needs to win this game. Yeah, the Longhorns, obviously, uh, America's favorite team. Welcome to the SEC after that Arkansas game. Um I like the Raiders, or no, not the Raiders, I'm sorry. I like the Longhorns at home. Um, the spread is nine in their favor. I really think that Sarkeesian and the crew are going to get it done at home. Um, and I think that they're going to have to turn this season around if they want to make a better bowl game, especially after being embarrassed at Arkansas. I think that's just a long-term thing for me. Um, but I like them at home in an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, I also have Texas winning. I think they do bounce back. And we'll, we'll see what they do down the road. 2.30, CBS, SEC Game of the Week. Texas A&M, Arkansas, and AT&T Stadium. Aggies favored by four and a half. This is a monumental game in the West. Dude, huge game early on for the SEC West. And I really think Texas A&M bounced back well after that game at Colorado where they got scared and only put 10 points on the board. I mean, 
Yikes. Um, and I'm actually I'm gonna go out on another limb. I say Arkansas wins really? this one. Yes. I pick this I'm picking Arkansas too. Yeah. I I love KJ Jefferson. So do I. It kind of makes me scared to play him. Yeah. I mean it's a trap. He's a sophomore this year. He is. Yeah. It, it, it's a trap game. A little bit for Auburn. Whenever we get to that point in a few weeks. Well, I don't even know if it's a trap game anymore. I mean, they're I mean, yeah. I guess at this point you're just <laughs> it's just a yeah, matchup, and you're traveling to Arkansas. So no, I agree. I think that Arkansas wins this game, and I think it's behind KJ Jefferson. I think he's going to start leading this Razorback team towards that Ole Miss territory where everyone says, "Oh, could they win the West?" And obviously, we know what's going to happen there. I will say the biggest thing in this game is going to be Arkansas's offense against. A&M's defense because of Traylon Burks. You know how many passing yards they allow per game for A&M's defense? How many is that? 77, and they only allow wow. 5.7 points a game. Wow. So I think it's going to be come down to whether K.J. Jefferson and the passing game can get it done against the Aggies in Texas. I do feel confident he will pass for more than 77 yards, but we'll move on <laughs> to another incompetent offense, Clemson Yes. against very NC incompetent. State. I mean, can the Wolfpack get it done? They did it against Florida State about a decade ago. No, I'm going to say DJ Uagalele. That was a really good That one was good. I I've like been, that one. I've been pronouncing it because of what you practicing? said. Okay, I I, I kind of took to heart what Jacob said on the show. <laughs> so I, I looked back at one of Clemson's games uh, earlier in the season, and I sat there and I practiced it. I really? Like, just Uagalele. Uagalele. Chris so, Fowler listened to him yes. say it. <laughs> um, I digress. But I think Clemson will get it done on the road. What a nasty season they've had so far to their standards besides South Carolina State, which, I mean, South right. Carolina State – um, but no, I think they get it done at NC State. I don't think it's going to be pretty again by any means, but I think their defense is what keeps them into this game and makes it close. I still think Uagalele is still trying to find his rhythm uh, as a starting quarterback after following Trevor Lawrence's shoes, um, but I don't think an afternoon game for NC State at home is going to be enough to uh, beat the number nine Clemson Tigers at, on the or in their own house. I'm also taking Clemson, and I do think that NC State will cover. I think that they will keep it close. It'll be like the Georgia Tech game last week, and basically it's just going to keep being the same thing every week. When is Clemson going to lose? When are they going to lose? Because they play such a weak schedule that it's hard to say when they will. So, so am I hearing you say if you're betting on this game, don't overlook NC State covering? Yeah, I think that NC State will definitely keep this close throughout the game. Yeah. Moving on to another Big 12 showdown. Iowa State, Baylor. Iowa State's 14th in the country. Haven't looked great. They lost to Iowa by 10. Bounced back with a big win over UNLV. But Baylor's 3-0. They have a 45.3% chance to defeat the Cyclones. Who are we taking? This is one of my upsets for the week. I like Baylor at home. I really think that uh, that offense can get it done. Bohannon's already thrown for 664 yards this year, and he also has five passing touchdowns as well in the backfield for the Fighting Baylor Bears. They have Abram Smith. Abram Smith already has five rushing touchdowns this year, um, and they're averaging nearly 50 points a game and only giving up 11. Um, I think that home field advantage in the afternoon conference game, I think that's going to give them enough home field advantage, and I think the Iowa State Cyclones are going to drop to 500 on the year at 2-2. Two and two. I'm going to take Iowa State. I think they stay in the hunt for the Big 12, but I, end, I think down the road they're going to lose to another team, but I'll take Iowa State in this game. Moving on to a Pac-12 matchup. This one you will not be able to watch because it's on the Pac-12 network. Stanford hosts UCLA. Can they take down the other Los Angeles team? No. I, well, and there's several of those. Uh, right. Well, I think UCLA on the road gets it done once again. Um, I mean, they had a strong start to, start to their season at 2-1. and one. Did lose to Fresno last week at home, which was ugly because it was only by three. Um, but I think they bounced back this week and they moved to 3-1 and one on the road. I don't think Stanford's going to be strong enough. Um, and also, if you look at Stanford's schedule, it hasn't really been – Impressive. They lost to Kansas State, lost to a ranked USC, and then they beat Vandy, who 
I mean, everybody should be beating Vandy. Um, so I think UCLA gets it done on the road. Yeah, I like UCLA as well. I think Stanford will, they're not to that level that they were with David Shaw a few years ago, but I do think that they're going to get back to that at some point in the coming years. So I, I like UCLA in this game because, I mean, UCLA just looks good, but we'll, we'll see what Stanford does down the road. SEC matchup at night, Tennessee in the swamp. Do they have a chance? Dude, Florida coming off of that game last week. I mean, I couldn't watch it because I I won't get into that. But, <laughs> I mean, just re-watching it and seeing what Florida was doing and seeing that scare they gave Bama kind of makes me have a lot of confidence, confidence in them to maybe even beat Georgia this year. I mean, I know Georgia has probably the best defense in the country, but seeing Florida play the way they did, especially in the second half, I think that they might have a chance to dethrone Georgia in the East. So I'm going to take Florida. I think they cover the spread. It's 19 in their favor. I think they cover the spread at home. So I'm picking Florida as well, but I do think Tennessee will cover. I think coming off that win, they're just going to be not flustered, but you're you're flat. Due. You're due. You're going to be flat because you wanted to win that game and you didn't come away with it. But I do like what Florida showed last week. So I'm not. I just think this is going to be a rough week for them. It's going to be close, and then Florida will win by two scores. Hey, it could potentially could be a shootout because Tennessee has only given up 15.7 points per game, and Florida. Um, they've been giving up a lot of points normally to their standards of what the Gator defense does. So seeing that dynamic Florida offense against that Tennessee defense, you could get a shootout in the Swamp Saturday. I mean, it could happen. It could. It could happen. Never rule it out. We will see. We're going to move on to some of the nightcap games, and we'll talk about USC after they fire Clay Helton <laughs> playing against Oregon State. Is this going to be another one of those situations where USC goes off after they get an interim head coach? I think USC is just going to be way too talented at home, especially at home against Oregon State. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at that head coaching position. I know a lot of people were kind of memeing Clay Hilton on Twitter after all that happened, which feel bad for him. But regardless, I do think USC gets it done at home. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond with all this uh, early season drama that they've been having. Yeah, I'm going to pick USC as well for the same reason. They're going to be too talented. This is still USC. This isn't some run-of-the-mill program that doesn't get recruits. They are still a team based in Los Angeles with a lot of talented players. So it, it, it's, it's going to be a USC win, and they'll probably cover because Oregon State's not very good. But that is going to do it for our college football predictions during this segment. On the second half of the show, we're going to move on to the professional side of football. NFL recap of week two on the other side of this break on WGL 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming to Jacob Hillman and myself, Baymarks Live on WeagleFM.com, we appreciate you following along today. And we wish you a happy Thursday, a cool happy Thursday here on the Plains. Woo! Great golfing weather. I can't get over it. Yeah. I can't get over it. I, last, night, last night felt great as well. And when I was walking back, off of campus, I saw the uh, the leaves falling. Man, it was great. Well, we're going to get into the NFL portion of the segment. It's starting to really feel like NFL season. With this weather outside, if you want to call in and be a part of the NFL conversation, 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345 is the number you got to dial. Um, and, I mean, really this past week in, in the NFL, another great week to, um, to get the season started off. We thought week one was great. Week two followed up just as well. Um, and we'll go ahead and we'll look back at 
New York at Washington after Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down real quick. Taylor Heineke has to step into the starting role, and he gets a one-point win, 30-29 to in a divisional game. It's kind of funny because these primetime games are still kind of being a lot of fun other than Monday night, which I'm sure you're happy about. We'll get to that later. Oof. But Great game. The primetime games have been fun. I mean, this one wasn't a good game, but it was wacky. And we, and made, we made fun of it on the show. Yeah, we, I mean, it was a wacky game. We, yeah. I think I said that it was going to be the first primetime game that was going to fall flat. That was not the case. Yeah. And I really think that Washington looks all right with Taylor Heineke. I like Heineke. A lot of people make, a, make the memes about him and whatnot and think that Washington will pick up Cam, which I hope Cam finds himself Land somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. But, I mean... Heineke's a dude. I mean, he's, he is. he's balling out there. So um, they do get the divisional win. Terry McLaurin going off for 107 yards to help out Heineke and company. And the funniest thing about this game is New York's leading <laughs> rusher was Daniel Jones. So <laughs> I feel bad for everyone who drafted Saquon Barkley in fantasy. Moving on. Couldn't C- be me. Cincinnati travels t- or traveled to Chicago, and Chicago wins at home 20-17. to Big headline coming out of this is that Andy Dalton is hurt, and starting on Sunday for your Chicago Bears – will be young sensation Justin Fields from the Ohio State. And Justin Fields didn't look great on Sunday, but they were able to get away with the win. And, you know, I don't take account into much of Justin Fields having to fill in. Like, what matters is what happens this week because he has a full week as the number one quarterback getting those reps. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, my thing is, it's kind of scary because it's my division, but I want to see Justin Fields do so well, so bad. I think, and they were talking about this on Sports Center, I believe it was the other day. They were debating on if when Andy Dalton is 100%, does he just jump right back into that starting role? If I'm the GM of Chicago, that's a hard no. Here's the thing. You're not the GM of Chicago, and the GM of Chicago, as well as the head coach of Chicago, are stubborn, and they're yes. not. They're going to give Andy Dalton the starting job back. He, yeah, and Nagy even said that. And my thing is, you don't waste a high draft pick on a guy like Justin Fields and pull him out after a few starts. If you want him in the long run and you use that high pick on him, you keep that guy in the game and you ride that horse as long as his career um, is going on in the NFL. I think he's the talent and he has the potential to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but he is not going to reach that potential if you yank him for an old redhead who has not been able to prove himself in years. I really do think that Justin Fields is going to be the answer. And I just wish that they... For his sake and for Chicago's sake, not for your sake, but they would give him the chance. I don't know when it's going to happen, but this is his opportunity to make sure, to prove to the fans, because obviously the fans want him. So this is his opportunity to prove the fans right. Moving on, divisional matchup, the New England Patriots travel to the New York Jets, where in this game, boy oh boy, number two overall pick Zach Wilson threw 19 of 33 for 210 yards. Like, eh, you know, rookie, second game. Through four picks. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not yeah. Did you see the TikTok of the kid roasting the Jets? No. Is it funny? Oh my goodness, it's incredible. We need to get that. So basically he's going through each and every player on the screen. The left tackle, he's getting blown by by a defensive end. The left the left guard holding a guy. There is a Patriots rusher just no one within the vicinity of him except Zach Wilson, just bull rushing Wilson. And then the right guard is blocking the right tackle, or maybe the center and the right guard are blocking each other, and then the right tackle and the tight end are looking at each other, <laughs> and then all the receivers are covered like crazy, Yeah. and then Zach Wilson just throws it up for Corey Davis, and then Corey Davis jumps like two inches in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it was an incredible breakdown by a child on TikTok. If that doesn't paint the state of the 
New York Jets for you, then I don't know what I th- does. I think someone said that his boy, the kid's voice was deeper than the Jets' roster, and it was, oh it my was so bad. It was so funny. <laughs> man, you got to love the internet. <laughs> well, the thing, yes, I know. I don't even have TikTok, but, man, I enjoyed that one. And I, what I'll say about this game is give it time. It's a Jets quarterback. It's going to take time. He needs a lot of help. It's, yeah, I, I was kind of critical of him being the number two overall pick. I would have picked Fields. No, I agree with that. But but if you're going to pick him and you have this much faith in him, like Jacob said, give it time. Yeah. Give him weapons. Give him protection. Um, but Mac Jones gets his first career win um, as the Patriots quarterback in the NFL. Moving on to other games from this past weekend, a game that Jacob almost went to, San Francisco at Philadelphia real quick. San Francisco squeezes out a road victory at the Eagles. Did you have anything real quick about this one? No, not really. I mean, it was kind of an ugly game, and – you can't take too much away from it because of that. And I, because I drafted Trey Lance in fantasy, just wanting to get him. But at this point, it's like, okay, Jimmy G's getting the job done. So kind of wishful thinking there. But I just think that both teams are, they are what they are. And they're going to be average. They're going to be fighting for wild card spots at the end of the year. Yeah. San Francisco in that really tough NFC West. And then at the other end of the spectrum, the Eagles in that really not tough NFC East. Right. Um, so we'll see how both of their divisions shake out. Not a huge uh, loss for the Eagles. A game that really kind of tripped up a few people. We have two of these real quick back-to-back. Number one being Las Vegas going on the road and beating Pittsburgh 26-17. to Derek Carr throws for nearly 402 scores. Wild. And Peyton Barber ran for 13 yards. Yeah, he, yeah, 32 he did. Yards. There you go, Peyton Barber. Way to show out. And especially over the Alabama running back. Anyway, I, I'm shocked. I'm not... I wasn't high on the Steelers coming into this season. We know this. But I didn't think the Raiders were going to be the one that come in and not shock the world, but to beat the two in this uh, AFC North, you know, the two yeah, teams that yeah, dominated yeah, yeah. the last decade. Yeah. No, I would have never predicted that to happen. Yeah, especially coming off the game that they just came off of. If you would say they went 1-1, one and one, sure, I'd be like, okay, they'll probably beat the Steelers. But 2-0? and oh? No. And shout out to Daniel Carlson, uh, special teams player of the week at the Vikings. Did you see? Yeah. Did you see where he beat himself in fantasy? Yes, I saw that's, that. That's hilarious. Is that where he's talking about how his college buddies, like, and all of them text him like, "Hey, like." Well, it's hilarious because everyone's commenting like, "Why would you not draft yourself on fantasy?" I guarantee you, he didn't have the first pick, and I guarantee you, whoever had the first pick drafted Daniel Carlson with the first overall pick. Yeah, just how it goes. Gotta love Daniel. That's such a humble guy. All right, moving on. Another game that'll. <laughs> Man, nobody saw coming. Carolina dominating the New Orleans Saints at home, 26-7. Sam Darnold must have gotten LASIK too, but no, Jacob said it's not the LASIK for him as well. He got away from the ghosts and met life. He you is, can't say that. He is a good quarterback. I'm going to say it now. He's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be the answer. I don't know if he's going to bring the Panthers to the playoffs or anything like that. And if he does because of the schedule, that have you seen the schedule the Panthers have coming yeah. up? They should go like they should be like six and two halfway yeah. through the season, and I think that that's that should be good enough to get him in the playoffs. From that point, I don't know if he's going to be good enough to necessarily win a playoff game. But I love what I saw from the Panthers on Sunday. Darnold efficient. McCaffrey didn't have to do way too much. I mean, he still touched the ball thirty times almost. But when DJ Moore's catching the ball eight times for seventy nine yards, then you don't necessarily have to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey a ton. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is is seeing what Sam Darnold can produce in this offense in his time in uh, Carolina. And like you said, he may not be the long-term guy, um, but regardless, he he uh, 
Through for 305, I think that's that's a good veteran presence yes, that you can kind of lean on, especially when you're in a, such a tough division like the Carolina Panthers and the Saints are in. Um, sorry, Daniel from Helena. Daniel's behind us for kind of just roasting his team. Sorry, Daniel here. Locke. He's Daniel Locke now. Yeah, I know. I just Daniel Locke of Weagle. On the scoreboard, he will always be Daniel from Helena. <laughs> um, and then the Chiefs losing on Sunday Night Football Woo, to game. the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore with the comeback victory. What did we think of this game? That game was wacky. It was like a college football game. That's how I would compare it to. It was hype. It was hype. It was so fun. And I mean, can we talk about that Travis Kelsey run? Yes. I mean, holy cow. When when he caught the ball, okay, that's probably a first yeah. down. Okay, that's a big play. Oh my God, this is play of the year caliber. Yeah. I thought he would get tackled with the one. Nope. He got into the end zone. I mean, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end. In football. I was going to say, a lot of people have been saying it's been George Kittle. I'll stick by that. I think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football because he can just do stuff like that. Well, and it's also not even Kelsey. Apparently, it's Travis Kels. Really? Did you You don't have TikTok. Um, Correct. There's a TikTok where uh, there, some guys go outside the Chiefs training camp. It was this preseason, this preseason, and somebody asked him, and he said his name was actually pronounced Travis Kels, but people pronounced it Kelsey, so they said, would you rather us call you Kelsey? He goes, you can keep calling me Kelsey if you want. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he's he's. I mean, you got to at this point, you've got to buy in. <laughs> but he's no. been in the league for so so long, you can't change it now. But no, yeah. But point being, I I still think he's the most dominant tight end in football. But regardless, this was a huge bounce back for Lamar. I think he took a lot of criticism after that loss in Las Vegas in overtime, and I think he showed the kind of leader that he is and the kind of athletic guy that he um, has proven to be. And that was a huge confidence booster, and that's huge because it knocks the Chiefs down to one on one, and it proves that. Come playoff time, they can reckon with the Chiefs. I do think that the Ravens could be the kryptonite to the Chiefs. They could be. And I'm, I think them or Cleveland could be. You're right. And it, see, and the thing is, Cleveland, like, I don't know. I just, I was confident in them, but now I'm losing confidence in them. Whereas the Ravens, they just showed it on prime time, on Sunday night football. But then again, last week, we didn't think that about the Ravens. You're right. So our opinions could vary. You're right. And also... I mean, you're talking about the confidence. Yeah. Whenever Harbaugh says, do you want to go for it? And he says, heck yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that is so awesome. You saw that video too? Yeah. He said, Lamar, do you want to go for it? I mean, he 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 made he asked it three times to make sure, make sure that Lamar got that message that he was going to let him make the decision. Because, yeah. you know, I think it, it's kind of funny because I feel like if he says no, then you get a one one side saying yeah, that's a good play. You trust your defense. And then you get the other side saying, oh, he didn't want the pressure on him. No, yeah. Whereas a real baller here, said, I'm going to go for here, it. Here, he's going for it. Yeah. I just, I was in shock at how that game went and how it ended. Yeah, and apparently Lamar's out of practice today due to a sore hip. I wonder why. From flipping into the end zone. I wonder why. What a celebration. I was concerned about his wrist. I really was. No, yeah. Because the way he like landed on it, twisted, I was like, oh, that could have been scary yeah. he also doesn't have the biggest arm so that could have the good thing is it was his left wrist anyway so yeah. it doesn't i mean i guess it affected if he's carrying the ball in his left hand but oh well and the last game that we're going to speak on there's plenty uh, of other say, games we save the best to. for last save the best for last chronologically it was last i've it gone was. in chronological order <laughs> uh green bay defends home turf and gets back in the wind column moves to 500 on the year 35 to 17 against division rivals the detroit lions look i'm telling you this was the prototypical aaron Rodgers. i hate detroit game yeah, I, and if you think he doesn't care, you're wrong. He's bad. Did you see him wearing that sombrero or yes. not wear it? But talking about it, incredible. 
on the other side of the break because I accidentally clicked a button. So I guess we're going to break. <laughs> Faye Marks and Jacob Hill, we're going to go ahead and look at this week in the NFL and give our predictions live on the scoreboard. WGL 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back into The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com for the final segment today. If you missed any of the other segments that we already did, Auburn Penn State recap, college football week four. Yeah, week four predictions as well as our week two NFL recap. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Where do you find your podcast? But also, if you are in town for homecoming, go check out the UPC event on Sanford Lawn. There's a parade at 6 p.m. tomorrow night, and then a pep rally follows at 6.30. So if you want to get into the homecoming festivities, go and do that. Check out the UPC's event and have a good time here on the Plains. It's fun. I've been. I can't, I can't go tomorrow. Tomorrow's my three-year anniversary with Jordan, so happy anniversary, Jordan. Hey, there you go. Dating anniversary. I mean, I mean. <laughs> so Clarif- make that let's clear. clarify that. Let's clarify. But uh, if, I, if I was not busy tomorrow, I would be, uh, I'd be going there. It's a great event. The band's there, the cheerleaders, the dance team, the make-arounds down historic downtown Auburn. Great time. Well, we'll move on to week three in the NFL predictions. Let's start off with tonight. Your Panthers. We know where we're going with this because of the circumstances as – Terod Taylor went down with an injury. He is on the injured reserve, and Davis Mills is starting for the Houston Texans. Panthers, 2-0. Sam Darnold looks good. McCaffrey looks healthy. I mean... Panthers by two scores. Yeah. I mean, Panthers are only eight-point favorites, and I think they cover that easily. Yeah, two so, scores. I think we'll keep that one short and simple. Yeah. Panthers look good. Texans are in a rut. Moving to Sunday, 12 o'clock. The Bills and the Washington football team in Buffalo... I mean, the Bills, it's still hard to get a gauge on them, but I think that this game will tell us a good bit. It's hard besides the fact that they beat Miami last week, but due to those circumstances, I like the Bills at home. Um, I think Heineke's going to still have a good game for Washington, but Bills are going to win at home with with ease. Not not a blowout, but they're not going to have any problems. I agree that this is going to be the trend towards my Josh Allen in the yes, prediction. I agree. Where he, yeah. he's going to have a big game against a good defense. Which he didn't even have a huge game last week. He did not. So this week is the week. This so. is the year. This, this is the year for Josh Allen and the Bills as well as they move towards the AFC title run. And then the Bears, as we talked about, Justin Fields gets his first start against the Cleveland Browns at 1-1. One one. Two 1-1 one one teams in Cleveland. Does Justin Fields get it done in his first career start? No, I'd feel a lot better if this game was at home for the Bears. I think he'd be a little more comfortable in his home stadium. But Baker Mayfield in that Browns offense, especially with that Browns defense, I think their defense will give him a lot of trouble and give him a nice welcome to the NFL in his first start. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be Cleveland. I think that Justin Fields will make a few mistakes. I, I think he'll throw one especially or two Especially that picks. defensive line coming at him. Right. He's going to be flustered. He's going to be forced out of the pocket. And I don't think the, the Bears offensive line is not great. They are, they are, they're not good, I would say. And I think that he's going to throw a pick or two. They won't be bad. I mean, it might look bad, but you'll be able to look. Hey, maybe the offensive line should have blocked a little bit better. So, Browns win that one. In Detroit, the Ravens coming off that, mon- I mean, that's Huge the, win. That, that Sunday night win following the Monday night loss is so big. Yeah. And now they face an 0-2 Lions team that doesn't look very good. I think the Baltimore Ravens get it done again on the road. Um, I think they move the 2-1. Detroit, I think, will keep this. Um, I think they'll keep this one close early. The spread is 8, and I'm not going to lie. 
Don't be surprised if it's less than a one-score game, maybe by a field goal, just because it's you in like Detroit. Jared Goff? I do like Jared Goff in Detroit. He showed good stuff in Lambeau from time to time, um, but I don't like the Lions as much as I like the Ravens. Yeah, I'm picking the Ravens. I'm picking them big. I think okay. they'll win by 10 or plus. Yeah. AFC South Divisional game. Colts, Titans, and Nissan Stadium. Titans are favored by five. Titans, I mean, that game in Seattle was a lot of fun, and they came away with the victory. Yeah, I think the Titans get it done at home. I don't think Carson, Carson Wentz won't be back. They're, they're trying to say he might be. Maybe. I don't. But even don't, if he is, I yeah. don't think it matters. No, I don't think it matters either. I think they'll look at it. It's Jacob Eason. Is also is taking first team reps as well as Brett Hundley off the practice squad for the Colts. I have major PTSD hearing that name, so it, I will not comment. It is hard to have. It is. It's hard to have confidence in the Colts this week whenever they're trying to play three different quarterbacks. So you know the old saying goes: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, I don't know about three. I don't know what the saying is there. Yeah, so I'm picking the Titans. And I think they win easily. Moving on to an AFC West battle: Chiefs, Chargers. Chargers looked okay in that game against the Cowboys, and the Chiefs lost to the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. So now, if the Chargers can get a win here, look out for them. Yeah, look out for them if they do, but I don't think that they will. I think the Chiefs will bounce back after that heartbreaking loss, especially coming back home. Um, I think the Chargers offense needs to improve a little bit more as well. I like what I've seen out of Herbie. He's given the ball up a little too much this year with some turnovers, but that can be easily fixed. But still, I like Kansas City, the defending AFC champions, and I like them at home. Well, I think that's a lot of what Herbert's game is. He, he He's a bit of a gunslinger, and, that, and that's okay because you make up for it with some big plays. So right. I'm also making the Chiefs. I think they bounce back well against the Chargers. Moving on to Foxborough, the Saints are traveling up after their loss to the Panthers. Jameis Winston needs to bounce back against a Patriots defense. That's pretty tough. Daniel, did the Saints bounce back? Daniel, back there shaking his head. Uh, Man, he's lost his confidence. Yeah, after week one, especially with that LASIK, fresh LASIK surgery, you're not confident? you got to be confident in your team, man. (laughs) He said, no, you don't. Um, I like the Patriots at home. I just think Mac Jones, after finally getting a win under his belt, um, and I like their defense against this New Orleans Saints offense. The question will be against that powerful Saints defense that we saw in week one against the Packers, do they show up on the road in New England and give a rookie uh, some trouble in the backfield? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I do think that the Saints win this game. I, I think that Jameis is going to he's going to have a good game. It won't be what he did in week one. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to replicate that at any point this season, maybe against a really bad team. But I think that it's going to be a case of – him overcoming mistakes and he might throw a pick or two but he will bounce back and he will throw a touchdown after he gets the ball back so I have the Saints winning moving on to another northern team but a pair of 0-2 teams Falcons Giants who gets their first win I think the Giants take care of at home Atlanta's bad dude they stink I mean they hung in there with Tampa for a while but Tampa I mean had no problem pulling away at the end they're bad all right let's go rapid fire I'm picking the uh the Giants as well these next three games are pretty easy. Let's go rapid fire. Bengals, Steelers. 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 Cardinals, Jaguars. Oh, man. Cardinals. Yeah. This is tough. This is tough. <laughs> Do the Jaguars cover? Uh, Seven and a half? No. Sure. I say no. Just because Car- it's at home. I say Cardinals and they cover. Broncos, Jets. Broncos. And Broncos are 10 and a half point favorites. Yeah, I, I think they're sneaky. I think the Jets could cover that one. I think um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater has been playing really well over there. So. Yeah, they have. 
Raiders, Dolphins is interesting. Dolphins, tough defense. No, I like uh, the Raiders at home. I think Miami's going to struggle with Tagovailoa being out, and I think um, Jacoby Brissett's going to make the start this weekend. Yeah. So I don't like them. Yeah, I, I'm with you because the offense is going to be really bad for Miami, and I think the Raiders are going to be hot for a while, and we'll see whenever they cool down. This is probably the game of the week, Buccaneers-Rams. I like the Rams at home, dude. I like them giving... Uh, I like them giving the Bucks their first loss this year. Matthew Stafford looks strong out there in Los Angeles, and I think they're going to dial a lot of stuff up. I think the Bucks win on a game-winning field goal. Really? That that is my prediction because I do think I like Matthew Stafford. I like the Rams. I think they'll be leading throughout the game, but I think the Bucks make a push late. Never doubt out. Come back, Tom. Yeah. So that, that that's, that's going to be a heck see. of a game. It will be fun. Seahawks and Vikings in Minneapolis. I'm going to take Seahawks on the road. Uh, I think they're just going to outdo Minnesota. Point and simple. Yeah. I mean. The Seahawks are good. Yeah. I don't know if the Vikings are. Yeah. And I think Dalvin Cook, it's interesting. I, I just feel like he hasn't been as special. Sunday night football. Packers, 49ers, 49ers three-point favorites. I think that's a little generous for the 49ers. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pick against Green Bay. Wow. I think I think the 49ers get it done at home. A-Rod's going to go off again. And to cap it all off, Monday night football, NFC lease matchup, Eagles-Cowboys. <laughs> NFC least. That's what I said. I know. Uh, I like the Cowboys. I think they're a little bit better than the Eagles, but hey, what a quarterback duel that's going to be. It is, and the Cowboys have a much better offense around that quarterback, and that's why I'm picking the Cowboys. But thank you, everyone, for tuning into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. For Bay Mars, I'm Jacob Pillman saying enjoy this beautiful weather. You've been listening to the scoreboard. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.